0: Paul and Shamina and welcome to head boss in charge hey um so I'll start off hey Paul. how you bossing I'm bossing all right it's all right um yeah
1: this my mood I'm kind of just really mellow right now not overly excited about anything nor is anything really going wrong um I think it's this weather. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> been very gloomy um, and rainy this week, and that sometimes gets me all in my feels and my emotions. Mm. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, like, neo-soul music oh, lately. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know why, but I just got into the internet.
0: Oh, it's, you're
1: late. I'm yes, very late. Yes, I'm you actually, are. like, six years late. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and... Yeah, one of their songs came on, I, um, came on Insecure, and we've been the show every, every episode. I'm I'm caught
0: up, surprisingly.
1: Uh, and so I Shazam all the songs, and I make them into a playlist, because the music's that good, and Mm -hmm. then I saw the internet, and the music is just so chill, so beautiful, Mm -hmm. so moody, and so of the time, because a a lot of the members of the band are fairly young, but, um, Sid the Kid, Mm -hmm. Sid... I just love how, you know, she's... I don't even know her gender pronoun or his gender I, pronoun. That
0: person, That Sid's, person, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll
1: just say Sid. I love how Sid expresses this beauty to their character. They're very much, you know, uh, left of center, masculine mm-hmm. of center mm-hmm. as uh, someone who probably was born um, as a female. And what's great was when I, when I first heard her voice or Sid's voice, It was just this beautiful, melodic, like, female or women-leaning type voice, and then I looked at the pictures, I was like, oh my gosh, you would have never expected (laughs) that kind of voice to come from Sid, and I watched the music videos to see how the personality matched with the voice, and so beautiful. Like, I just love how a, a black, queer person of color is making, like, great music, but I digress. Uh, Yeah, it's just been the kind of music I've been into lately. Um, I've been re-listening to a lot of Hey Fran Fran Hay's Spotify playlist. Okay. Because, you know, she's really into, like, that moody, chill vibe. So I'm just, like, everything's slowing down. Nice. As I'm getting older, I I love my pop and house music, but as I get older, I'm having an appreciation for, like, the slow jams Mm -hmm. and, like, just slowing down time and appreciating every little moment, mm-hmm. right? I think that's important. Um, it, instead of, like, FOMO, fear, fear of missing out, or mm-hmm. instead of uh, uh, you, you only live once, yeah. YOLO. I don't believe really in a... I kind of surpassed those <laughs> moments yeah. in my life. It's just about embracing the small moments. Yeah. So.
0: Um, let's see. I would echo that it has been... Whether it has been lovely... I love overcast and kind of dark and gloomy because um, I feel like it puts it pulls the pressure off of people to be outside and to be engaging with other people, um, which kind of annoys me. Like when the sun's out, people are like you should be outside. And I'm like, no, I still want to be inside. And I don't love the sun that much. Um, the sun in the sky, not the father, the sun. Let me, let me be clear. Um, but I I love the, the kind of dark and gloomy weather. Um, That's one of the reasons why I moved to San Francisco, because it wasn't always sunny and I could wear all of my fall clothes for most of the year. Um, Just fall being probably my favorite season, although I wish there were more holidays and work day and days off in fall. Um, But I'm good. I did want to shout out and say happy Black History Month. Yes, it is October right now, roll the much. end. But every month, I have to be reminded and remind myself that there is Black History happening every month. So, and this
1: actually was a really good month for Black History. Yeah, lots so of great strides.
0: Lots of things going on, and um, just reminding myself that you know the the Black Girl Magic thing, when I, which I'm certainly kind of trying to do more of, embracing of myself. Um, Uh, black boy magic, woman magic, male magic, you know what I mean? Just things like that. So remembering to pay attention to those things. So, um, but it's been a pretty good week. Um, it's been fairly busy. Um, and I've kind of been taking it an hour by an hour. Like, what am I doing this hour? How do I need to prepare for this hour? Um, and trying to take some time for myself and have said no to a few things like social things. And I tend to be actually quite okay with saying no to stuff and to people. Um, in a way that I'm not saying the words no, but I'm you know offering an alternative or saying, how about we look into that next week? Um, so I've done a good amount of taking care of myself in the last week and getting back on my food plan. My workouts and running have always been there, but really focusing in on those and being intentional about like stretching myself um, to rise to the occasion that I know that I can. So it has been a very good week.
1: Hey y'all, before we get started, we wanted to let you know that we ran into some slight technical difficulties in recording the next segment. Unfortunately, a part of the beginning part of Water Cooler Talk is missing, so we just want to put in a quick little note that our topic for Water Cooler Talk is about the defiance of putting yourself first. So we're just going to get right into it, and we know that you'll be able to catch up to uh, where, what we're talking about. Thanks for your understanding.
0: I made a pretty big decision to, uh, start working out and taking care of my physical body because I realized how much I wasn't doing that and what a priority it, like, it wasn't a priority at all. Um, so it first started out of like, literally I said to myself, I was like, Oh, I don't want to be fat anymore. Um, and I always tell people that they're like, you said that. And I was like, yeah, it's called like that negative self talk that we usually don't admit that we say out loud. Um, But I started because I was bored one weekend um, and I was at home by myself and I was like, I'm just going to join the gym and see how it goes. And I was like low key doing a whole lot of nothing. Um, But that's that's where I started this whole journey, which I'm sure I will allude to this in other episodes and a little bit later. But that was what I feel like in my adult life was the first big journey that I had of putting myself first. I think I talked about it a lot, but then I needed to... I needed and wanted to do something that was action-oriented to to do that. And then that that has spiraled into a whole other world of how I take care of myself. But it really, for me, started with wanting and needing to take care of myself physically. And then a whole bunch of other stuff started to fall in line as a result of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think...
1: um there. It sounds like you prioritized, right? Because when you think about putting yourself first, there are many different types of things mm-hmm. people can put first. Uh, have Has anyone ever asked you to kind of put in a hierarchy form, like, the priorities of your life? So, for example, some people will say, uh, first, it's my partner, then it's my family, then it's my dog, or then it's uh, my job. Have you ever put a list together like that?
0: I have... I have not. I have a list in my wallet that I keep with me, but it's not of my priorities.
1: Mm.
0: One day we'll talk about the list in my wallet.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I, I think for me, what I have, um, you mentioned the whole selfish thing, and I've never viewed it as negative. It is a negative term, but I think, w- in my opinion, we owe it to ourselves to so put ourselves first. Uh, for me it wasn't it's you know, for you it was specifically working out and the fitness and nutrition. But for me it was
0: and and see it wasn't those things. I'll I'll clarify that. It was it was my way of starting to take care of myself Mm. and I needed to do something to jumpstart that. But that's that's like the small bits and pieces. I like the fitness it transformed for me a whole bunch of other themes. I often still eat like shit. Let's let keep it all the way real. Um, so every now and again, the food comes into play. I'm sure my trainer would say something different, but yeah, yeah. I for
1: me, what really jumpstarts the selfishness is I'm the type of person, uh, and I I would say three or four year, yeah four years ago I went through a huge revelation about this, but I'm a type of person in friendships where I give a lot to myself. I'm just naturally a, a giver when it comes to make, checking in with you, seeing how you're doing. Um, I'm the one who initiates kind of meetups with people. I'm the person that if, you, if you're if you really high on my friendship list, I will drop everything for you kind of thing. Um, and in a lot of my friendships, even the, the ones that are very genuine and that are very strong today I've been with people who in my definition have not given back to me Mm, right and that got really tiring and exhausting it's why is it that I show this kind of care and giving in to others and no one does it back to me Mm -hmm. and so after going through kind of that really rough spot and just thinking oh maybe people really don't care instead of pushing people away I realized wait maybe I need to switch my mentality a little bit switch my attitude and uh, f- one focus on myself first right and mm-hmm. maybe that pain of giving unto others would be a little less uh, if I put myself first because I think sometimes I because of my caring personality I used to put others before me
0: OK. Yeah. I. Th- yeah. It's funny that you say that, because I think people, myself included on occasion, will do the like, I put everybody first and I take I'd never take care of myself. Um, but then sometimes it's, it can be frustrating maybe to be um, to hear that of people, because it's it almost is um it almost feels, this is going to make me sound like such an asshole, and I'm okay with that for right now. But like, it almost feels like a woe is me, if that makes sense, um, until people start to realize that other people t- are, around them are taking care of themselves first. As a, and it's not necessarily an intentional, like, I'm role modeling for you, you know, how perhaps you can look at things a little bit differently. But it ends up being a role model of if you, as you see other people kind of taking care of themselves first. You know what I mean? That sounds mm-hmm. kind of asshole ish.
1: No, n- not at all. Yeah. Um, I think wait, when you say the <laughs> woe is me, are you referring yep. to the the person who's trying to put themselves first or No,
0: I think the the people who put everybody else first oh, and yeah, then yeah. are can be frustrated. It, and it is frustrating when y- you feel like you're putting people ahead of yourself and other people are like, Yeah, no thanks, bye. You know, and they're doing their thing on their schedule. Um, but I think it's a I found it to be a learning thing in um, something that I've had to learn and kind of fight through. And I've certainly been the woe is me person. I was like, I can't believe this bitch didn't text me back. Like, I, like, I'm trying to show up. I'm trying to, like, make this friendship work or whatever the case may be. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to be, like, trailing and following after someone who's, like, I don't want to say that other people are running away from me. Certainly, <laughs> I'm sure people have. <laughs> but, um, But I was like, why am I so caught up on this and not paying attention to what I want to do? um, and feeding into the friendships that also feed me, you know? Right. So, and I think,
1: I've, I don't think I've gone that far in terms of, uh, giving myself to others, um, but I, and I don't think I know anyone like this, but I totally see the situation where if, um... They're giving themselves to others, and that "woe is me" complex. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people use it as an excuse to get that attention.
0: Yes. Right? Yes. Absolutely.
1: And that's just a whole deeper mm-hmm. <laughs> thing that uh, that person has to explore. But um, I think I, I kind of want to talk about a little bit of that defiance that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a a lot of the folks in our social network, they're in a really good place where they put themselves first. I think I I surround myself with people who understand (laughs) the importance of self, but I think everyone has a different um, place in their life when it comes to that defiance. So for Mm -hmm. me, where I feel defiance when I put myself first is my family, I I like to think that... I guess how I think about it is my family has sacrificed so much for me and I'll be even more specific. My parents or my mom, um, has sacrificed so much for me. I feel it's my job to give that back,
0: but to the world or to her, to her. Okay. Right.
1: But there's this push and pull. It's like, well, um, I, I you know, I'm struggling too and I need to support myself. <laughs> and until I support myself, I can't really support you. And uh, I want to say that feeling that I have, it's a genuine feeling, and I'm glad that I, have in a good way, it's good, I think, that I feel this obligation to put my family first. Like, that's a value that's very, not you know, not everyone has that value. Everyone has different rankings for their values. But for me, having that relationship with my family is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a struggle. It's like, oh, like, am I a bad person for... Saying no, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to be there for you or I'm not going to show up, even though I have a really uh, plausible excuse for not being able (laughs) to do certain things. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I think the the hard part of that is, like, I think about, um, in the terms of putting myself first, like, specifically thinking about my mom, I'm like, I... It's a hard one because I'm like... I will, glad, and I know how many sacrifices she made and how she showed up for me. I'm um, so similar, like all that she gave to that and other people as well so that I could be here. You know what I mean? Like I am because she was and she did um, not the same things, but she made it made it a so I could, you know, go to school and, you know, eat and be a part of athletic teams and whatnot. But like there's something in me that doesn't like if she wants, I give. And not in an abusive way. If she's like, I want a new car. And I'm like, here you go. That, that's <laughs> going to be ridiculous. But, like, if she asks me for something, I'm like, I am going to bust my ass, go through hell and high water to get, get it to her or to get to her. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, that's prob- that's like the opposite of selfish with her. Very specifically with her. Like, I'm just... Like, if she calls and I, she's like, I need X, Y, and Z. I'm like, okay, well, when do you need it? Like, I will make it work. I will, like, it's not even so 1st role. I'm not going without, if that makes sense. Um, but I will move a whole bunch of stuff around to make sure that she's got what she needs. You know what I mean? So, oh, I almost got emotional for just a moment. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. no, yeah. that's
1: real. I- that's like
0: the, like, one of two people. And probably my partner is the other one. that I'm like, okay, well, like, I don't need X, Y, and Z so bad. Here you go. Right. So,
1: uh, for me, it's more of those because when uh, my mom kind of asks for those kind of similar things, it's the surprises. It's like, well, I planned my life accordingly for this upcoming month, and I want to move things around and support you. Uh, but I, yeah, it, it's it's such a huge guilt trip. But I think at the end of the day, my mom does understand um, <laughs> where both of us are when it comes to those. Life plans, mm-hmm. um, but no, I totally feel you on the whole. Uh, I will make it work somehow, but mm-hmm. sometimes I can't make it work, and it's just a straight up no. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think the, I think there are other ways that when you show up for yourself, you said this a little bit earlier. Like, what the best way that you can be available and present for other people is if you take the time to take care of yourself first. Um, I have seen that come up in work a lot. So tell me if you can relate or if you can't, let's talk through, uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, like I try to, there's certainly times when I, um, and this comes up so much in our field, like sometimes you have to work late. Like sometimes like shit just has to get done. You just have to get things done because they are, um, you're running up on a deadline or some, you know significant issue comes through, it's oftentimes not as emergent as people make it seem. Um but I try to very simply leave the office at a reasonable time. So like five fifteen my work's my quote unquote work schedule like on paper is eight fifteen to five fifteen. Um I don't often get in at eight fifteen, it's usually eight twenty. Um but if I'm in my office until five thirty, five forty five, I'm like I'm giving more of my time at this physical place than I want to give. Um and I think sometimes I know I've gotten people giving me the side eye for that or they're like, oh, you're leaving or oh, you're working late. If it's like 545 or six o'clock, oh, you're working late. And I'm like, I don't I have a life that is independent of me being in this office and doing this work and the work will be here tomorrow. Nobody's going to sneak in and do it. And whatever it is, wasn't going to be solved. Like if I say 15 more minutes, it's still not going to be solved because chances are I'm waiting for somebody else to respond and like, you know, a ping pong of responses to happen. So when I go out and live and do my life, yes, I am taking care of myself first. Like work takes a back seat, which is super unpopular, especially mm-hmm. in the, the, the field or maybe the areas that I work in. It's quite unpopular for you to not be like ride or die 24-7. I'm all work all the time. And so that, that's a struggle for me. It's a loose struggle. I don't struggle with it that much, to be honest. Um, but I do think about that as I see emails roll in through over a weekend from a whole bunch of people or, like, oh, wow. stuff coming in at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I'm asleep. Um, or I'm watching TV or I'm playing, like, Candy Crush. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better not be spending any money on that Candy the, Crush. I can
0: only play so many times a day because that's the free stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's a – for me, that's a, a big sign of me taking care of myself is when I leave um, or when I uh, – yeah, so I will leave it at that because I have maybe that's that'll be my uh, bitch ass boss a little bit later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but you talking about that reminds me of this phenomena. I think actually in many industries, um, as professional as like doctor, law, uh, doctors and lawyers, to nonprofits, to tech industry, there's this culture of uh, I have to put work first, mm-hmm. right? Um, so especially if you're a new employee, you're taught and this has been passed down for generations and generations in the work industry, that I need to be the first person in the office and the last person in the office. Mm -hmm. And even after you build tenure at your organization, depending on where you are in the level of the organization, you might feel the pressure of staying really late. Sometimes you have to. Uh, maybe your company is going to deliver this product tomorrow, and you have you have to meet this deadline. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I think there is this pressure to stay at work longer because mm-hmm. it shows your work ethic and all of that. But I call bullshit to that because
0: yes, yes, I
1: call bullshit because you know we're putting in, and I'll say we just in a very general sense we're putting in. All these hours, blood, sweat, and tears, and it's like, what have you done for me lately? Right? Right? Cue Jana Jackson. (laughs) What have you done for me lately, you know? I I just don't believe in this, like, let's drive ourselves to the ground so that we are so burnt out. And uh, then we don't make time for these other priorities in our life, such Mm -hmm. as family, friendships Maybe friendships social life
0: self care like the the of uh, the physical self the mental self mm-hmm. the emotional self I'm getting worked up okay
1: um, and i think also sometimes too when you reach that end of the week i know that especially young professionals and i see it all the time is they put so much of themselves and then when they have an a little bit of that break it's like all right, I'm going to release all my inhibitions mm-hmm. and I'm going to, it's kind of that work hard, play hard. Like I'm going to play hard, right? Because mm-hmm. I have the next 24 hours to do anything that I want. And that's not healthy. I, I think the the time that we give ourselves should be incremental and gradual. It shouldn't be in these, like, I'm going to lock myself in a closet and work myself for the next 70 hours because mm-hmm. that's the type of job I have because I'm, you know, this executive or I'm this engineer. And then, oh, okay, I get the next two days off. Now I'm going to, like, go hard, yeah. which is not healthy, and right? And show my
0: complete ass, uh-huh.
1: And so I, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, is that this is an equal exchange of work. You contracted me, right, whether I'm exempt or non-exempt, to work these many hours. I do the work, and you pay me. But if I am consistently overworking myself in a way that uh, is not really expected at the, in the core of my job or core of that job description, then maybe we should have a talk. I don't know. Not a lot of employers would be open to that because you might get fired, but I'm just, I'm just criticizing the culture. I just, uh, I sound very millennial, but I just don't believe in, I don't, I don't believe in us living our lives to work ourselves to the ground. Um, at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, what are you going to remember? How many awards you got? How many projects you completed? No, not really. You're going to, at least for me, I'm going to remember those life experiences. But if I put work constantly in front of myself to work my way up that ladder, that career ladder, then I'm not going to have time to make those uh, those memories that I want to make.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because even as you think of like, I'm, I'm hearing you say this and, I'm, and I hear myself say this too, the like, The amount of hours I choose to put in. But I think so much of this is learned behavior. Like, if you don't see it modeled in front of you, like, what is it? You can't see, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. Um, But when I think about this with the the staff that I work with um, and supervise, like, it's important for me to role model, like, that I have a life outside of this work. Like, I do things that are completely unrelated to, to, you know, my, you know, regular work schedule. Absolutely. There are times when I have to, like, bust my ass and I'm, I'm trying to work through, like, writing a policy or doing something after hours or perhaps I spent more time during a given day or week, like, you know, on interactions as opposed to, like, bit more of a balance of, like, interactions and actually getting the work done. Um, but I think it's it's such a learned behavior, you um, and there's there's a shaming that comes along with like if you're the first person, so say I'm the first person to leave the office or the second person to leave the office or the office suite. Um, this is all hypothetical. Um, if I'm one of the first or second people to leave, then I'm sure there's some judgment that goes along with that. I don't give a damn because I still get the check at the end of the month. And my feedback from my supervisor says, x, y, and Z, which you know, as long as that's on point, and like, I'm producing the things that I need to produce. Give a damn what anybody else says, but there's certainly I have to think about that sometimes. As a, should I feel bad if I want to like if I need to leave? And I I really feel bad if I need to go to a doctor's appointment or go to my therapist or what. Like I don't feel bad about that at all because I was like, trust me, you want me to go. Um, You that's what you you should give me the money for the copay. Um, But there's something there's a bit in my psyche about like leaving early or being one of the first people to leave and I'm thinking I have things to do and sometimes those things to do are sitting on the couch and literally not doing work so um but it's it's a learned behavior and I think we have to get more comfortable with talking about those things um you and I both come from uh, graduate programs and this is what like this is a class Like, there's no class on, number one, how do you figure out how to find, it's not a balance, we already know that, but like, how do you make space for yourself, like, in your new work environment, and how, what is that, what can that transition look like, Um, and how do you recognize if it starts to feel so out of balance that you have, like, you're figuring out which way is up, what's left, right, what's, you know, which way do I go, Um, but that's one of those things, so, either from a graduate program or undergrad, I don't know that we in society share with folks tips, tools, techniques of how to manage your life? Um,
1: yeah, you know. it's not common. Um, you know, I I think it's, you know, I, th- I think about how I grew up, you know, um, I, I'm first generation, I come from a, um, an immigrant family, and... It was all about the work. I'm just working to have food on the table mm-hmm. for my family or whatnot. Uh, that I think that you know, regardless if you're um, a person of color or not or come from an immigrant family, I think that was how work was defined for many decades. Is just work, work, work because I need money and I need to. Um, you're smiling because you're <laughs> thinking like, of Rihanna. <laughs> like, work, 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 work. work, 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 work. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay. So yeah, for many decades, that has been the mentality to put money on the table. And there was no room to put yourself first. Mm -hmm. Not at all. And I still see that seep into academia. Um, I feel that when you're in school, you just work because I need to get that paper. I Mm -hmm. need to work, 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 work. And then that kind of lifestyle manifests itself into the professional setting, mm-hmm. right? I, I see definitely a, a link between all those environments. But even to this day, when I I talk to my mom about work and what's going on, there's still this foreign reaction. Like I get this reaction where uh, it's like, "Oh, you're you're trying to." What do you mean? You're trying to make time for yourself, or trying to? <laughs> you have to work, right? It's, it's like a you're, work, Paul. You're going on vacation. What? <laughs> vacation is a very strange concept for my family, but I digress. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, I I just really uh, uh, resonate with what you just said.
0: Yeah. So it's it's such a learned thing. I wish. There was a space for open conversation and dialogue around that in the workplace, minus the shaming and the feeling guilty part. Absolutely. So um, I think I don't talk about it at work enough um, with people who matter. Um, I'm trying to hopefully start to uh, instill some of that with uh, my staff. But even then, it's the mentality of, like, well, I have to do all these things. I have all these expectations and all these... Blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and I try to say, you cannot do everything with excellence every single time. Right. So sometimes you just have to do enough and then really figure out where you want to put all of, like, the oomph of your energy. But you got to pick your battles, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, I try to be encouraging with my staff about the making time for themselves. Uh, I definitely sense... Uh, it's interesting. I feel less of that guilt being a manager. <laughs> it's like, okay, no one's really judging me. But I sense the guilt from my employees, right? Uh, sometimes they'll become overly p- apologetic when they're just a couple minutes late, and I'm like, it's fine. I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice, <laughs> right? But I appreciate that they picked up on that because that's a, that's a measure of their own um, measure of excellence because mm-hmm. they want to make sure they're doing a good job. If you don't care, then I guess I would have an issue about that. Yeah. But um, I want them to relax a little bit. And uh, all my employees are exempt, and they do a lot of evening hours and weekend hours for, like, events and things like that. Uh, and I make sure that they, if they worked really late, yes, feel free to come in a little later. Like, you're, you manage your own self. You don't have to, you know, worry about, all these unofficial rules that mm-hmm. other people have told you like I'm your supervisor this is the environment that we create for your, ourselves and this is the un- mutual un- understanding right mm-hmm. I want you to feel comfortable flexing your schedule so that you take care of yourself that you can do the other things that you want in your life because that's why we're working is mm-hmm. to enjoy those parts of our life
0: mm-hmm Um, I was just I just had a thought. Uh, Oh, here it is. So one of the things I noticed, like when I put myself first, when I like kind of engage in the defiance of, you know, uh, taking care of myself first is I realize how much of a better professional that I want to be. Does that make sense? Um, Or that I am maybe that I am. So um, a lot of the stuff that I do, um, as of the last few years has been around like the care of my physical body, um, internal and external, but then my mind as well. And I, f- I feel like I am a better employee because I take the time to do those things. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have, I, I still have my moments of anger and the, some ways that I show emotion and whatnot. But I, if I didn't work out in the morning, so I work out typically around five forty-five in the morning. Um, and the, it's usually running, um, or interval running and if I didn't do that, I would probably start the day anxious and maybe a little, little shitty, you know what I mean? Um, but because like I've started my day already, I've gotten into a routine because I'm either listening to a podcast or to music when I'm running, I have a chance to come home and make breakfast, maybe some eggs and some spinach. Like I've gotten into a routine of the start of a day and my day has already started off well, rather than, I start my day waking up, hustling to get to work, and then diving right in without having a chance to kind of ease into the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that helps me be be a better professional generally starting the day because um, I start in like morning. How you doing? How was like? And I can ask and engage rather than come in. And I'm like, you gotta get to work. I got things to do. You know what I mean? So
1: yeah, I think those things definitely make you um, a better employee. I think even from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I. Sometimes I need mental health days, and mm-hmm. that's important, right? I may, ha- I may be so behind in work or so behind in emails, as I am currently. <laughs> this week is kind of busy. Real life. Uh, but I know that if I just plunge through a week with no break or no, no kind of self-care or routine, I know that there's a link to decline in production. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give an analogy. They say that uh, when uh, students who study – Um, let's say you have to read an enormous amount of text, Mm -hmm. you actually can be more productive in an hour if you read for 15 minutes, take a break, maybe get a snack, maybe go on Facebook, fool around, and then read another 15 minutes. Take a break, then study for another 15 minutes. Versus plunging through like two hours, you actually would accomplish more uh, in two hours with a lot of breaks versus two hours just going through. Mm -hmm. Because we have short attention spans, Uh, As human beings and uh, naturally as human beings, we also are stimulated by when we mix things up versus just trying to push through. Uh, And so I think that applies to uh, work as well uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to protecting our life and uh, trying to put ourselves first in order to have high productivity. Because that's what American culture is all about. We preach about being very productive. It's all about pushing out the work. But what we're not balancing it out with is, oh, wait, in order to actually be highly productive, we need to give these benefits to ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny because I remember, like, as you say, like when students, and I haven't been a student for quite some time, but I, I was always fascinated when people could pull all-nighters. Like, I, first of all, I tried to do that once, and it was terrible. I went to sleep at, like, two. That's not even, like, half <laughs> That's the nice, night.
1: yeah. <laughs> but I'm like,
0: I... I can't, like, the idea of an all-nighter, it seems, first of all, dreadful because I prioritize sleep. Um, some of that is because I can't help it. I, certainly, I've been somewhere where I've been sitting at, like, I'm, an, uh, I'm a morning person, not a night owl. So, at, like, 10 o'clock, I'm, like, falling asleep at, you know, trying to write something. I'm <laughs> like, okay, it's time to give up. Yeah, uh, I'd much rather wake up at, like, five, 4 or 5 a.m. to get something started than just try to stay up until, you know, midnight, 1 a.m which for a lot of people isn't even late um but that's just how my mind and my body works yeah so but yeah this whole um i think this is a theme with a lot of things um in terms of how do you put yourself first um and maybe without the like harsh shitting on other people you know what i mean That like you're not stepping on other people's next for you to be to put yourself first um i think that's constantly a work in pro- progress i know for me and thinking about how do i do that welcome back. Um, we're going to roll into our ask a boss segment. Um, remember if you have questions for us, you can email us at head at gmail.com, which is H E A D P B O S S P O D C A S T at gmail.com. And we'll get to your question at some point uh, in the future. So we got a question from a listener. So shout out to, um, Let's see. I don't want to share a name, but let's call uh, Um, K-O-Pectate. what did you say? Um, K-O-Pectate. It's a medicine. Uh, So thanks for this. It's more of a, if we could comment on it uh, rather than a question. But the question is, or the comment is about uh, giving feedback to people you supervise. So if we could share maybe a few tips of how we approach giving feedback to people that we supervise. Um, I think that would be helpful for K-O-Pectate.
1: Okay, Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I'll start with myself first uh, in terms of how I give feedback. In general, I like to be very honest, right? That's how I prefer to deliver feedback is to be upfront and have specific examples. But I know that at the end of the day, not everyone likes upfront feedback. So um, I start with expectations whenever I have a new employee uh, we are. We try to be honest with what. What are your expectations of me, and what are are my expectations of you? And then we do some goal setting. And it's re- it's easy for me to know how to direct feedback when I know that we've set goals at the beginning of the um, of the the employer employee relationship. But sometimes your performance may fall outside of your goals. Maybe just things come up throughout. Um, the year that are not related, but it is impacting yourself as well as those around you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give that feedback. But I, I, I try to ask folks how they like to receive feedback, um, whether that's written or maybe uh, you want to know in the moment or maybe you want to wait till the end of the week at our one-on-one.
0: So let me th- throw in there. I love when people, because I, I certainly try that as well, to try to give, like, how do you like to receive feedback? 98% of people are lying. When they're like, I just want a straight no chaser. Just give it right to me. like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and then you do that, and they're like, well, why were you so mean? And I'm like, this is what you said you wanted. Or like,
1: they get all defensive. Yeah.
0: I was like, I I did what you said that you wanted. So mm-hmm. what do you want? But I'll, I'll go into more. But I love when I ask people that, and they're like, "Just give it to me straight, like right in the moment. Like you don't need to cushion it." Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Lies. Lies. Fallacies. Right. <laughs> non truths. So yeah, I
1: I try to remember how you appreciate uh, appreciate getting feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes uh, there uh, are dire moments where I have to pull you <laughs> to the side and tell you, you fucked up. Or, mm. you know, we need to approach this differently, especially if it's breaching any kind of HR standards or things that are could be borderline get you fired. Mm. Um, but I'm not going to say that's easy. I'm not going to stand here and say it's really easy to give feedback like that. I've been in environments where the inv- it's so political that Sometimes your boss's boss will say, well, let's, we need to, let's say this is a very tangled mess. Let's say you're trapped in a really (laughs) tangled mess, and sometimes I'm caught in these environments where I have to actually not give you that feedback right away. We have to be sensitive and talk to all these people, HR, the boss, VPs, whatever, uh, before we actually deliver it, Um, and... Sometimes that's not fair to the employee because it's. I don't like anything to be a surprise. I hope that uh, feedback is consistent and delivered to you so that by the time we do the formula evaluation, it's nothing new. But sometimes things do happen where I I have I'm I'm coached to be careful what to divulge and not divulge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about two different things here. I just realized that uh, my first approach is just like. I guess soft feedback, feedback that helps with professional growth. But then there's there's a point, there's a line where if you fuck up, there's no feedback. <laughs> like there's going to be direct actions and there might be a time where, yeah, you um, might get a piece of news that you don't want to hear.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Thank you. I've never been on the receiving end of like the news you don't want to hear. Um, I would say my approach It's I try to be individual with how I approach. So for me, it's important to get to know my my team members um, as well as I can to figure out how do we communicate and what's going to be the best way for us to communicate. Um, I tend to start off with expectations like usually like First day, you're getting a list of expectations for you to like think about and consider of expectations that I have for my team, um, and then want to bring those back around to a team discussion. So anytime my staff has a new team member start, we will revisit expectations. I'll ask people to revisit them on their own, and then we'll we'll talk about them as a group because expectations may change depend on who's added or taken away from our team. Um, A lot of how I interact with my team and my colleagues is through humor. Um, so for me, that's a way that I build relationships. Um, not that I'm like making a joke at you or about you, but like just in the in the ways that we communicate, I try to I don't know that I even try intentionally to incorporate humor. Sometimes things are just funny. Um, but I try to let folks know, like typically if there's feedback that I have to give you or if there's something that I need to follow up on you, follow up with you on, um, I try not to wait until they're one on one. Um, because I've, I've learned, um, both from my own experience as an employee and reporting to someone, as well as giving this to other people and seeing how they respond, no matter when I bring up a piece of feedback that's in a one-on-one, like if I have a scheduled one-on-one, if I bring it up at the beginning, they don't hear anything I say after that. If I bring it up at the end, they forget all that we talked about in the front end of the conversation. <laughs> so I'm like, this was, the whole time was wasted. Um, so I tried to approach those things like... Same day if I can. So there are some situations where you have to finesse and figure out the appropriate time and avenue in which to share certain feedback if there are larger ramifications to what that conversation is going to look like. Um, but if something happens that day, depending on the time of day, or I will either try to talk to the employee that day or the next day. Um, so that's something outside of the normal one-on-one conversation. So it, it's not clouded by other stuff. Um, And I really try to approach it as a, you know, X, Y, and Z has been brought to my attention about the way perhaps you presented or information in this setting. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I I just want to make sure I'm clear before this conversation goes forward. So I certainly try to do a host of asking questions. And really, I try to do that in the spirit of, I hope you come clean on the shit that you've put out there um, before I have to point out the behavior to you. So Mm. give, give folks a chance to out themselves, for lack of a better term, and to think about like, well, what interactions or maybe what did I do or say that may have been a little bit off? Um, But I also, I try to share my general approach in like one of the first conversations that we have, like the first day, so that you know, uh, have a sense of what the communication loop and feedback is going to look like. Um, So yeah, I think it's about getting to know the person, Um, but I also have to do some self-talk for myself. So as a supervisor of people, I have to remember, I'm not forcing people to make bad decisions. These things are coming to my attention based on behavior that someone else has engaged them, engaged in. So I think there's sometimes a, what did I not do or say to the employee? How did I not train them in the right way? Mm. Um, You sound like a
1: mom right right? now. What did I do? Right? (laughs) Um,
0: But I have to remind myself, this person's behavior is what has been brought to my attention. So... Um, it's not necessarily something that I did do, didn't do, mm-hmm. what I did put in my expectations or not, um, but I have to remind myself, this they have brought themselves to my attention. I didn't go out looking for this information. It was brought to me or brought to my attention, and my role is to follow up on that. So, um, And that's low-key what I share with myself. If something has been brought to my attention, I am going to do my best to address it swiftly and hopefully have a resolve and then set, make sure expectation going forward is quite clear. Um, but I would say one thing that I've learned is that you, I think you and I, Paul, both do like written expectations. Yeah. Um, I think that is key and crucial because some people don't make the connection to shit you say out loud and you need to put it on a piece of paper so that they can have some time to digest it. Yep. Um, but I've also found I need to revisit those expectations periodically. Oh, same. so like if I'm in an academic year, cause we both both work in academia, like maybe two times a semester or once a quarter, if you're on a quarter system, we're revisiting those to make sure that nothing new has come up. Maybe we need to realign what expectations are and to talk about the the cycle and the loop of feedback. Um, so I think those are some of the ways that I have addressed feedback, um, but it's re- it's getting to know my employees um, and trying to have an honest approach. And if something, you know, feels like you don't have the best words for that, it's okay to go in and you, you're going to fumble with it. It's, you're dealing with another human. So I think it's, it's helpful to be reminded of that. You're dealing with people. Sometimes people come with feelings. Um, but right. part of your role is to hopefully set a standard and realign someone to get back in the way that you, you hope your staff um, will go in terms of their work.
1: Um, I also have just two quick closing points, too. Uh, connecting back to what you said about building relationships. I think with most employer-employee relationships, or when you first start uh, on a team, there's a honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. And and usually in that honeymoon phase, there's not really much feedback being given because you're still trying to get to know them. It's much easier as a supervisor to provide feedback and for the employee to receive the feedback if you build that relationship. Mm -hmm. So take that time in the honeymoon period to get to know them, you know, whether it's through staff outings or uh, maybe you go out for coffee for your one-on-one instead of doing it in a closed room. Uh, build those relationships so when it comes time to give a piece of feedback that might be hard to swallow, uh, on both ends it's a little easier. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too is I think what's important for feedback is there are going to be those one-offs that are legitimate, uh, there are going to be trends, and then there's just going to be one-offs that have that are just completely uh, extraneous and what i mean by that is i think sometimes uh as a supervisor you might get information from another uh, person from another team or uh uh, another department head of this interaction that they had with this employee and if you spent the time building that relationship with someone sometimes i know for a fact oh no there's no way that person did that and it's just a complete one-off because of a misperception uh, of the other person that they interacted with, I'll have a, an open conversation and I'll have the person tell their story first because uh, sometimes information will come to me before the employee has a chance to get to come up front with mm-hmm. what goes on because they had no idea and I think sometimes it's uh, sometimes, most of the time I like to have my employees back and I give them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> um, and I, I never judge or give feedback without the full story so I uh, when I give feedback, I focus on the trends, what are, what's consistently happening. But then, then again, sometimes there are one-offs that are legitimate, and you have to bring it up with the employee.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you made me think of something else. Um, so perhaps this is my closing point, but probably not. But I think when you're dealing with giving feedback, um, I think it's important for supervisors to understand that you may not be able to have the full conversation of feedback in that first, that first time you address it. Some people Sometimes people will shut down and not know how to respond. And you may need to say, do you need a little bit of time to think about what I just said? And maybe we can pick this up either later today or tomorrow where we there can we can have an exchange of dialogue. Because um, I, I feel like you you may have heard that and are not sure where to go with that. So giving people a chance to be human. Um, not always. Sometimes you have to just get to the point and wrap stuff up right then. But I think there there are opportunities that present themselves where you can give the person a chance to kind of be in their feelings or listen to that or you know think through how they want to engage in that conversation with you before you actually move forward um but that's that comes with knowing and the relationship building piece of how you've seen people kind of take things because i want people to hear me and not get so caught up and like shut down and like we're just standing we're just sitting there looking at each other and there's no um conversation with it so yeah all right i think we're we're good And if you have uh, other questions for us, please email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. That's H-E-A-D-B-O-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And we will get to you soon. All right. Thanks.
1: And we're back for our last segment called "Boss Ass Bitch" and "Bitch Ass Boss" of the week.
0: All right, so I have a boss ass bitch, um, and I don't know if I've used her before, but I like I'm so team my leak. Um, I have been so my leak tail. She did the podcast. She does a podcast. My Tachu. Um, she's the owner of a curl box subscription. I know we've talked about her before. We have. Um, but I'm like feeling the shit out of her, like. She does a journal every, I think every year, um, and she just put out a new journal that hasn't released or been mailed out yet, and it's called, uh, it's a My Tachi journal, and this is all about hustling and hustling hard, and she gives all of these pointers about hustling, and she shouted out to it on her Snapchat so you can see a few of the titles, um, like How to Hustle with Your Money, um, Hustling at Work, Hustling at Home. And she's just so real talk and she keeps it all the way like live and I can just really appreciate her style and one day I will meet her. Um yeah, she's just she's giving me everything right now and her quotes are her tweets are so like, oh my gosh, that's my life. Or can you stop saying what I'm thinking right now? Uh so yeah, I'm just feeling her a lot right now. We're the same, I think we're the same age uh black woman doing her thing and it's really no nonsense about it and I love it and she's kind of like if people don't like me well then stop listening to my podcast so (laughs) and I'm like you better say that when is the next episode coming out uh so she's giving me a lot right now and I'm finding a lot of relatability in the things that she says around work and life so that's my boss ass bitch cool
1: another shout out to my leak
0: right you better start listening to this. Come on now,
1: <laughs> right? We're endorsing so many people on this show, and right? Not getting any kind of credit back.
0: We will. This <laughs> we is, is just eventually. the beginning. I'm here for
1: it. <laughs> so um, my boss ass bitch uh, goes to Airbnb, um, and I kind of have to give some. Pretext and um talk about some things that they're doing there that I really appreciate. So I um Airbnb, their headquarters is located in San Francisco. Actually, I work like two blocks away or three blocks away from their headquarters. And I use Airbnb a lot. I think I've been a member for quite a few years and I've never hosted, but I've always looked for um places um, you know, in different cities and even internationally. And Honestly, I've always felt this experience where, and it wasn't validated until I read an article about it, but I've felt discrimination through the Airbnb process. Um, So let me give you an example. Um, Sometimes I would request to book a place, and then the owner of the place will review the Airbnb request and uh, will come up with some kind of uh, reasoning saying, sorry like this place has already been booked or um sorry i actually have some family coming in and um they're going to take the spot i'm like okay um but it does say it's available so what's going on and so out of curiosity i'll uh check the booking a couple days later and it's still available um and then sometimes when i'll check it again then i then it says that it, it's taken Um, So I read this article, and I'll post a link to this, where um, it's just a lot of anecdotes of people of color being clearly discriminated against in the process. Um, And how people have proven this is they'll change their profile picture to be that of a white person Mm -hmm. and make the same exact request for the same exact date, and they'll get a booking.
0: I um, had to do this the last time I traveled. Literally, oh, really? I had my—I was going with a girlfriend who is white, and I was like, "Can you just handle the booking so we don't run against this?" And when they confirm, let them know that your black friend is going to be checking in first because mm-hmm. I was getting there before she was. Yeah. I had to do
1: it. Um, yeah, uh, I know people who people of color just don't even post a picture at all, and they'll make it a point in their bio to say, "I went to these schools, got these degrees, I do this job," just to mm-hmm. validate themselves. And then there's this story, um, it's the same article that I'm referring to, of this dude somewhere in the South who clearly wrote a racial slur against someone who um, was a person of color, just alluding to the fact that like they're going to steal their shit or they're messy partiers or just stupid things like that. And then that person created a, a different profile um, with a white picture um, to validate that they got discriminated against. So I've had some informal conversations with friends and some of them have felt it but never really looked into it. And so um, racial discrimination is experienced everywhere. You know, we are, organizations are experiencing this. And something that I critique all the time is that no one ever responds or comes up with a formal plan of action to deal with something that we can deal with. Now with black men getting shot (laughs) on the streets. Okay. That's just a very systemic issue that is going to take decades, generations, centuries to solve. But in organizations, when you have a controlled environment, there are things that you can do. It it may be very difficult to come up with an actual hardcore action plan, but you can do it. And so here, um, is where Airbnb comes to play. So in September, they sent out a mass email to all their members and their community um, about the racial discrimination that's been happening in their platform. And I'm going to read some points to you, and I'll provide the link to the PDF document. Um, but they, and, you know, in the header of the email, they talk about um, discrimination and how it's been experienced in their community, and that they it goes against their values. And so they said that in June of this past year, they asked Laura Murphy, the former head of the American Civil Liberties Union in Washington, D.C., to review every aspect of the Airbnb platform and to make sure that they're doing everything that they can to fight bias and discrimination. Um, Thanks to her leadership, they're releasing a report, and that's the link that I'll provide, that highlights the results and what the outcome of that project is. So they narrowed down their um, process or their uh, response into three action steps, and I'll just give um, a few of the highlights. So um, they're first going to create a new open-door policy. And so starting October 1st, if a guest anywhere in the world feels like they have been discriminated against in violation of the policy um, and trying to book a listing, um, and so, for example, the listing, the booking could have been canceled or any kind of interaction with the host that leads you to believe that they've been discriminated against, uh, Airbnb will find that guest a similar place to stay in one of the available um, to stay sorry I'm reading this wrong we will find that guest a similar place to stay if one is available on Airbnb or if not we'll find them an alternative accommodation elsewhere this program will also apply retroactively to any guests who reported discrimination prior to today all of these guests will be offered booking assistance for their next trip great okay fine um, I read that and I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more right how will you stop discrimination mm-hmm. Um, Their second thing is instant booking. So that's a new feature that was probably added a couple years ago where instant booking allows you to book a place without having the owner review it and have the ability to cancel or deny your request. And so with uh, this new instant booking policy, they said, we'll increase the availability of Instant Book, which allows our hosts to offer their homes to be booked immediately without their prior approval or a speci- of a specific guest. Instant Book makes booking easier for everyone. And our goal is to have one million listings bookable via Instant Book by January 1st of 2017. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. Um, that's, that's something that you can technically control in your interface mm-hmm. to actually prevent gender bias or racial bias or any kind of bias discrimination. And I love that because I think a lot of the times we implement new policies and they're so subjective, it's like, oh, okay, cool, you can make a report.
0: It's just for show.
1: It's just for show. Like, okay, I can report discrimination, but what are you going to do about it? So I love how... They have the open doors policy where they'll find you an accommodation for you. And now instant booking is this new technical feature that can actually help you. And then the last um, piece of their action plan is called anti-bias training, which I'm very accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very uh, hot topic uh, topic in the world of education and trying to help students and staff and other professionals um, navigate their professional worlds. Uh, but. Uh, I'll read an excerpt in this little piece of their policy. We are working with experts on bias, including Dr. Robert Livingston of the Harvard Kennedy School of Government and Dr. Peter Glick of Lawrence University, to make anti-bias training available to our community, and we will be publicly acknowledging those who complete it. These steps are just the beginning, not the end of our efforts to combat bias and discrimination. and then I uh, want to bring this up today because the Airbnb sent another email today. And mm. uh, basically, starting November 1st, you'll notice that when you log onto the platform, there's going to be this new agreement, and it's called the um, Community Commitment, where it will ask you um, to be part of a community that is um, anti-discrimination. And you mm. can't continue using the platform unless you sign yes. So I just want to give a big shout-out to Airbnb. I, I just love... this this is a really great example of a corporate company um, really putting in steps towards fighting discrimination. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that companies don't pay attention to enough or they're not equipped with the knowledge or the tools because guess what? Probably over 60% of their company are white people Mm -hmm. uh, who don't know. They don't don't have that lived experience, so they don't have the tools to combat it. And so, um, yeah, I just really appreciate it.
0: Get it, Airbnb.
1: All right. So that ends our episode for today. I just want to make sure that, um, of course, that you're connected to all our social media. So first, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Please, please, please answer or not answer, but uh, <laughs> please provide us uh, questions for us to answer on the show. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Head Boss In Charge. Also on Twitter, um, which is at Head boss pod, P-O-D. And don't just follow us. Interact with us on social media. Pose us questions on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, retweet us. Tell us what you're doing. Um, just really interact with us. We, we love social media. And then also you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And on iTunes, please rate us, write reviews, um, get people to know that we are alive and active on iTunes. And we would love for any feedback that you have. We just spent a, a few minutes talking about feedback. So <laughs> we are ones to listen. So please give us feedback on our show. We would love to hear from you. Um, any last words, Shamina?
0: Nope, I think you said it very nicely.
1: All right, have a good one, y'all. Keep bossing.
0: Bye.